right? So if you make this change and you feel like the entire thing is turbulent and you're, it's just fighting against every single thing that you are or stand for, it's time to reevaluate. But if you get in and you notice that even the challenges and the moments where you're, you're tired or you're crying or whatever, you're having your bad day, if you're still at your core peaceful in this decision that you've made, you're going to be okay. I'll have, I'll what, have what she's, she's having. having. Welcome to another edition of Digital Confidence Podcast. going to start because that's how it works. Hi, Brian. Hi, Tony. How are you? I'm doing great. My demographic is you. It's professional women, young moms, 20s to 40s, going through transition stuff, dealing with this confidence stuff that, and I've said this over and over and over again, a lot of it has to do with the fact that competence is mixed up with confidence. And then, especially with women, they get so down on themselves And they buy into this narrative and this systemic nonsense that's going on. uh, And then it just kind of a pile on. And it's so hard sometimes with my clients that come in. I sit there and I'd like pull my hair out. I go, don't you understand how amazing you are? How much power that you have? How much you impact everybody in your life, whether you have kids or not? And that's why I wanted to start this because as a man, but as a girl dad, uh, it's mm-hmm. important to me. It's really important to me. And I try to empower Rach throughout her entire life as much as humanly possible. And that's why as a mom and as somebody who's gone through a number of different things, I thought I'd throw it out to you. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> there are so many things there uh, that I could pick from here. I would say, and I think a lot of them I could kind of lump together because there are overarching themes that I've mm-hmm. noticed through the years. So which is a very good point by the way. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It tells it, you a lot about yourself. <laughs> right. It does. It's so true. One of the biggest challenges that I've been through was the whole going to law school, lasting a month, leaving and sort of floundering and trying to figure out what my passion was and and where I wanted to go next. And somehow ending up on this nursing path, which felt so out of left field for me and for everyone around me, nobody ever saw this happening. So that totally begs the question, what made you do law or think about doing law school in the first place? Was that your thought or was that kind of fed to you? I I can tell you exactly how that thought came to be. Mm -hmm. So I was driving from my house to Hyannis, Massachusetts during summer break, I think my junior year of college. So going into senior year Mm -hmm. and, you know, this is back when we didn't have like podcasts and I didn't own a cell phone. I had none of those things to entertain me while I was on the road, no one to call, no one to do anything with. And so I just started thinking, like, I'm about to graduate. What's next? I'm going to have a Spanish and Latin American studies degree. Am I teaching? Am Mm. I an interpreter? Am I, like, what am I doing? And I have all these other interests and passions, you know, for helping people in human rights and children's rights and all of this. And literally on that three-hour drive, it just occurred to me that law school seemed to be the thing that tied it all together. And I needed to study 
to be able to help kids in immigration situations at the border. I needed to do women's rights work. I needed to be able to use my Spanish and my cultural knowledge. Just seemed like a very logical thing to do. And then I realized what law school was like. That's a huge thing. Expectations, Uh, right? Fantasy versus expectations. I think that's an important thing. Yeah, I think fantasy was that I was going to be the next Elle Woods. I was going to march into Harvard and say, what, like it's hard. And I was going to graduate the top of my class and somehow be a success story, right? Sure. And I was going to get by with my with my quirky little personality and my my big heart, and that was going to be that. And Brutus in your handbag. And Brutus in my handbag, yeah, right? Sure. And Obviously. that did not happen. I somehow landed in San Antonio, Texas, of all places. Which, if you know that's me, a whole, I think you know, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I think that's a whole other story, and yeah. I think that that says enough about about the crowd I was around in law school and how perhaps we were not so in sync with one another. It was it was very much lots of dry textbook reading and then Socratic method, like sitting in a huge room full of students and having your professor just bark at you and just Q and A, right? Yeah. Crawl under your date. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Q and A. You want to melt into the floor. You're uh-huh. you're flushed. You're on the spot. Hated it. Mm. Hated it. So initially when you got the thought about going to law school being a lawyer did you do any research after that? I mean, before you got into class, like, did you have any understanding of what Tony, you were? Tony, I didn't even know what a tort was. I knew <laughs> nothing. I was, I was like, you know what? I can take an LSAT test, and then, you mm-hmm. know, I've done well in all these other areas, and I can study and figure out this law thing, and then I can just go be a ballbuster and you know save a bunch of kids and save a bunch of women and. The rest will fall into place. Yeah, Thank I love you so the enthusiasm. Much. It's fantastic. <laughs> the which shows you is how far it just enthusiasm goes, right? But yes. two points that I think are important to bring up. The first point is sometimes the thoughts and the fantasy stuff doesn't manifest into the where you think it needs to go, and that's okay. That the whole point is is that if you do get into something and it's not okay then you got to pull the ejection seat. Now, the second thing is, how was your confidence? Where was your head at when you realized, oh, crap, I made all of these commitments to get to this point because of this harebrained thing, all the plans and all the thoughts that you had, and you got to this point, and then you thought, I am way off on this. What happened, and how did you dig yourself out? So what happened was I lost my mind and I cried for days and days and I did not want to tell my parents because Mm. if you know anything about me as a, as a child, adolescent, college student, failure was very much something I wanted to avoid. And in my head, changing course was failure. Mm. So you would say you would be a card carrying perfectionist. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. Yes. So I finally got up the courage to call my parents, who, God love them, had just driven me all the way across the country <laughs> and moved me into this apartment. Right. right. And I said, I cannot do this. I have to come home. And they were so good about it. There was no shaming. It was like, okay, well, we'll come back and get you, I guess. And uh, they came back. <laughs> we packed yeah. up my stuff, turned in my keys, and off we went. And 
I would say if you ask my youngest sister who was still living at home at the time, she likes to call that my my dark period. <laughs> and there was a lot of sitting on the floor, reading Buddhist works, the Dalai Lama's book, lighting incense, trying to figure out what the hell to do with myself. Yeah. Black nail polish, wrap skirts, lots of boho, you know. Wow. So you went yeah. full, full aesthetic too. I started writing songs by candlelight. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Would you like to share one of those songs? I know, sure would not. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so I was like, all right, well, you know, this isn't great. And I ended up working as an in- interpreter slash bilingual customer service rep at an insurance company. And I hated, hated that because there was nothing worse than telling people they're not getting their disability check. In Spanish. In English or Spanish. Right, right. right both. Yeah, multi- multilingual. Right, exactly. And that was not great. And so I was I was not in a great headspace. And then I thought, you know what? I need to get myself out of this headspace. And so what am I good at? I'm good at volunteer work. I am great at that. Because if I can throw myself into the service of somebody else, I will get out of my own way. So I became a volunteer at the Children's Hospital in Maine and in Portland. And I was a child life assistant and what, what that, is that is where a child life assistant. So yeah. basically a child life specialist works at the hospital and they help kids who are going through scary procedures, long-term illnesses, and, and they really work with them to explain at their level what's happening. Okay. They use stuffed animals, they use art and music, and they just kind of make the experience less scary and give them some fun in the midst of all of it. What an impactful job. that Incredible. They are incredible, incredible people. And so I was just the assistant. I was in there helping with the coloring and the sanitizing and whatever we were doing. And that is honest to God where I figured out I wanted to be a pediatric nurse. Mm. And I thought, okay, well, this is crazy. This is a, this is a wild thought because I haven't ever set foot in the science building. Mm-hmm. Four years in humanities and all these like languages and politics and government and all this stuff. And now I'm going to, what am I going to do? Bio 101? What's happening here? So what did you do? I, I did bio 101. No. <laughs> <laughs> I told my family and my mom said, oh, please, dear God, don't do it because she's a nurse. She goes, there's nothing glamorous about this. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful job. It's a, I love it. She just wanted something more. I find that interesting though, don't you? First of all, I think nurses are respected across the board because if Mm -hmm. anybody has spent two seconds in a hospital, they know you guys run the ship pretty much and you don't get the credit that you deserve. And and I would think, and maybe is that, maybe you think that's why that your mom had the issue with it? I think it was that. And I also think my mom knows me very well and I have always been sort of deemed a more, a sensitive person, a little bit more emotional Mm. and I'm a little bit thin skinned growing up. So like a bee brought me to tears, Mm -hmm. somebody yelling at me or being upset with me, just, I would dissolve. And she knew you're going to be working with doctors and you're going to be working with other nurses and nurses eat their young and doctors can stamp their feet. And it's going to be different from what Mm -hmm. you're used to. Mm -hmm. And she's a hundred percent right. That begs the question. You did the same thing with the law stuff, right? You had an idea and you had no idea about law school 
and you just had that idea and then you took action on that. You did the same thing. You had epiphany again. You decided to, that's what you would like to do. You then went into your schooling and stuff. What's the difference between those two? Why did it stick the second time? Because I knew I was going to be good at it. I felt it. And I don't mean that in a, I know that I can pass the classes, but I hate it. I loved it from the moment I started. Mm -hmm. I recognized immediately that it was going to be one of the hardest things I had ever done. And I immediately saw how hard professors were on you. I mean, they are, if you want to meet no nonsense people, go talk to a nursing professor. Oh (laughs) yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I just loved every moment and I was okay working hard and I was okay being uncomfortable and I was okay knowing that it was going to be a challenge every step of the way to, to get to this point. And I saw the, the goal in front of me and it all made sense. And I love children and I just love taking care of people. I'm very nurturing. And I knew that I could succeed at this job and also enjoy it. And also really feel like every day I was making a positive difference. Mm-hmm. And so I stuck with it. I mean, and it was not easy. I was moving all over the country at the time. I was I moved to Indiana for Chris's residency for a year. We moved mm-hmm. to Arizona. I was doing, you know, prereq classes here, there, and everywhere, online, in person, working jobs full time at the whole time. And then got into nursing school and still juggled work and all of these other things, clinicals, you name it, and then graduated. And I I was so thrilled. I was so proud to have RN after my name. It was like the greatest mm-hmm. feeling. I'm still so proud. There is mm-hmm. nothing I love more than telling people I'm a nurse. I love it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it just, it was a different feeling. It's just like I figured out that it was actually my calling and not just a job. And that gave me the confidence to go through something difficult. You know, that's it. That's the key. It's because you can have thoughts about something that you like to do. A lot of times people have thought, let's just talk about our group here. Let's talk about women. The the coach, when I do, when I coach them, then they come in and talk to me, they talk about the same situation. They talk about having this idea and wanting to go into stuff. I pry a little bit further because a lot of times it ends up not being their idea especially with the younger women, they come in and they start talking about what they want and money is a big thing. And I'm not disparaging money at all. It's great to have, right? I mean, you know, but as the number one primary thing coming into it, they tend to sort of just pick the stuff that's going to like create that versus mm-hmm. the other way around. And I have no problem, you know, getting into a good paying job. That's, that's not sure. the issue here. Yeah. It's a matter of, making the selection or you not even making the selection, it it gets seeded into your head by the people around you that are influential to you. Mm -hmm. Then what happens is exactly what happened to you with the law school. If you're not, if it's not in you, if it's not deep inside of you, if you're not willing to, when you hit that first wall, say, all right, here's the wall. And I'm totally fine with this because it's part of the process. It's right. a part, it's going to be a part of me. It's going to be a part of my identity where I move forward. I'm going to embrace that. It's going to be hard as hell, but I'm, I'm still going to embrace it. That's the difference. And that's when you know, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's when you know. And it, this comes up so much 
especially with my 25 to, or, you know, 24 to 32 year old. And I know that you did this when you were, you were still in your twenties when you made the decision, yeah, right? 20s. Cause it was late twenties. Yeah. I, I'd like you to maybe speak for a few moments about women when they get to that, you know, I always call it the Saturn's return. Saturn's returns like every 29 years or something and every, you know, but it's like a quarter life, right? It's a, mm-hmm. it's a rethinking about things. And just from the 12 years that I've been doing this and the multitudes of women that I've, I've coached and, and helped through this process and we've worked together, 30 is a big deal. Huge. Oh, your 30s are great. <laughs> My God. Yes, it is so okay. I think what happens is when you're young, you go through life and everything's sort of mapped out for you. You finish this grade, you're moving to the next grade. You finish high school, you go to college. And then you finally hit this block where for the first time in your life, no one's telling you what to do next. Hmm. You've got to figure it out. And that's a huge transition. And so you you waffle a little bit. And some people land into a lifestyle or position that makes sense for them early on. But I would say most people don't. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you look at it like this long trajectory, right? You've got 40 years, 40 good years that you are working before you retire for most people, maybe mm-hmm. longer. If you've only been out of school for five to 10 years, that's nothing. That's like a teeny little blip on this timeline. And so if you're thinking out, okay, I can either stay where I'm at and kind of suffer through or muddle through for the next 40 years, or I can take a risk and I can do something that I think would make me much happier and is something that actually speaks to me and the life that I want to create, this life I want to design, then it's not so scary. And I think that honestly, most people I know say that 30 plus, that's kind of when people start to figure things out. And so the 20s, have fun, you know, have your jobs, make your mistakes, do your little, oh my God, I had midlife crisis books, quarter life crisis books. I, mm-hmm. you know, the dark period. Uh-huh. And I just look back and laugh and I'm like, oh, if only you knew how everything was going to just unfold. If only you could right. have told yourself then how things would look now. Yeah. You would not have so, spent so much time in agony wondering right. what to do or if you were going to fail or, or, or any of that. Mm-hmm. It's such a great point. Every single person that I've talked to that's older, 40s, 50s, every single, not just, you know, 99%, every single one. I ask them, if you could say one thing to your younger self, what would it be? At least the answer or a part of the answer is to say to your younger self, just chill out. Don't worry about it. Exactly. chill. The mind boggling thing to me is the fact that for some reason, Everybody thinks when they're that age or even their parents think that they should know exactly what they want to do. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, God, I didn't even go back to grad school till I was over 30 to go. And that was in totally different thing because my, my bachelor's was in finance. Right. And I went, yeah. And I went back to get my grad degree in psychology. That wasn't until I was in my thirties. And then I, my doctor was in my forties. So it's just, it's, it's crazy to me to put the expectation again, there's that word that you should know what you should be doing for the rest of your life. And then when you make that decision, 
like you did with law school and it didn't work out, a lot of people, I mean, that just crushes them to almost to the point where they don't recover really. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad. If there was somebody that came up to you and they went through the same exact thing and they're now deciding to go to like nursing school in your mm-hmm. scenario, right? And they're saying, oh, you went through it. What would be the most important thing that I should focus on? What would you say? So what I would say is you need to take away all of the external factors. So don't be focusing on the paycheck that you want right now. Don't be focusing on the exact job or specialty. Look at what you are about to embark on. Think about the core reasons that you want to do that and understand how it aligns with, again, this life that you want to design or this life that you see, this life that would bring you joy, right? Not happiness, joy. There's a difference, I think, yes. in my opinion. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, huge. Yes. I, I think that a lot of us spend time chasing this happiness feeling that we mm-hmm. think that if we're in this profession or in this life or whatever we've done, we're supposed to feel good all the time. But the work that you do or the change that you make should ultimately give you a sense of peace Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, right? So if you make this change and you feel like the entire thing is turbulent and it's just fighting against every single thing that you are or stand for, it's time to reevaluate. But if you get in and you notice that even the challenges and the moments where you're you're tired or you're crying or whatever, you're having your bad day, if you're still at your core peaceful in this decision that you've made, you're going to be okay. You just and, and honestly, every single thing, it sounds so cliched, but every single thing that happens good or bad leads you down your path. It's not smooth sailing for anybody. Every single one of us is going to hit bumps along the way. And you kind of just have to buckle up when it happens and remember something good will happen again. Nothing is going to last forever. Exactly. The piece that you talk about is the true confidence. Right. It's the essence and the understanding of being. It's the full acceptance of you, warts and all, whole and complete. It's the understanding that things are going to be okay, that you're coming from a solid foundation and you're going to do the best you can for that day and you're going to get up and you're going to do it again. Exactly. And knowing, right? Knowing that that's where it's, it, it's going to lead you to where you need to go. Boy, that's a tough place to get for a lot of people, but that is mm-hmm. the key. Yes. That's, that's the true confidence key. Thanks, Mariah. It was awesome. You're welcome. I, we talked more, but I'm trying to keep the shows now at about a half hour. So, because <laughs> we could, you know, back when we did the shows before, oh my Mariah's, God. Mariah's done, God, what, a half a dozen shows, a dozen mm-hmm. shows, whatever. We just start rambling, man. And I'd just keep the whole show on. It'd be like an hour or something. You know, it'd be like, it was great. Perhaps that was a little long. <laughs> Well, you know what? I listen to a lot of podcasts now and a lot of people ramble on and they can be quite they, long. So I think we were just fine. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think so. But yet, again, again, I listen to a lot of them too. I'm like, oh my, are you kidding me? Why am I listening to this? So, right. you know, right. So this one works. Thanks. Is there anything you want to push, press, you know, throw out there? I know that you're very heavy into the, the main, the 
clothing and the whatnot. Main for needs. The, yes, main needs. Yes. You can, you, okay, plug that. I would like to plug two things. One, main okay. needs. The most lovely group of volunteers is all volunteer run, and they accept household donations, clothing. They have different drives, tents for people who are unhoused and sleeping on the streets. That's something I support a lot. And then I will also push joining either Every Town or Mom's Demand Action. That's a big, big thing that I'm a part of right now, just having young children and with all of the gun violence in our country. I think that if you're a mom and a woman and you're looking to make some positive change, that's another great organization to join. And there are chapters all across the country. Those are awesome. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. Well, we're going to talk afterwards, but just to, you know, just to close the show out. I will, if there's any comments or questions or whatever, you know how to get a hold of me. I'll put it in the notes. I'm looking forward to the future podcasts as well as looking forward to having you on again down the road. Oh, please. Yes. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Talk to you later. Thank you.